Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Week 15 has had breakout stars, including Tyler Huntley and Duke Johnson. Fantasy collapses by Corderell Patterson, T. Higgins, and Amari Cooper, and injuries to a lot of Buccaneers. What happened Sunday? Why did it happen? What does it mean as we look ahead to Week 16, even though we're not yet done with Week 15? We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, DJ Rudell, PFN's fantasy football director. With me, as always, our PFN fantasy analyst, Tommy Carrot. Jason Katz, better known as Katz. I just want to start off by saying uh, in an hour from now, we are live in an hour. Uh, the Browns and uh, and Raiders are playing, and I have Nick Chubb, and I'm up 50, and my opponent has three other players. I need Chubb to be okay, and that's all that's been on my mind so far. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you guys now with breakout stars. Uh, Tyler Huntley, undrafted in, in 2020, a free agent in a few weeks. Uh, uh, what's what's if you're in dynasty right now, what are you thinking about with Tyler Huntley? Well, he completed 70% of his passes in this game, two touchdowns in the air, two touchdowns on the ground, 13 for 73. He really emulated Lamar Jackson pretty well. We know rushing quarterbacks are a cheat code. If he is starting somewhere next year, he's probably going to be fantasy relevant in the same vein that Taysom Hill is, in which case he's somebody that you need to keep an eye on. That's ah, a little bit of an insult compared to Taysom Hill. I mean, at least this guy can actually play quarter position well. Um, oh, I agree with that. I, no, I, I, no, I get what you're saying, dude. I'm making a joke of it. Uh, no, that's the thing. It's that, that rushing upside is awesome. I mean, he had 73 yards and two touchdowns a day, like you said. Um, and he's, like I said, it's it's a guy who, like, we didn't necessarily see coming, like, but he's put together two solid weeks. Uh, I thought if there was ever going to be a week he would struggle, it would have been this week. Um, normally, when backup quarterbacks come in, they might flash, and then all of a sudden, a team gets some tape on him, and then you kind of figure him out, like, this was not a nobody. This was the Green Bay Packers. They were the number one seed in the NFC coming into this game. So it's, look, if you're in Dynasty, if you can get Tyler Hundley cheap, then go for it. Because it's not a great quarterback class coming up. So unless you have, like, a locked-in starter, get someone like this. Because it's very rare you're going to find these rookie quarterbacks come out there and perform really well. Uh, I talked about it earlier in the year. It was like there had been – it was like since 2010, there had been, like, 34 quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Only seven of them had actually finished as a top 12 quarterback in their very first year. So you get someone like Tyler Huntley, let one of those younger guys kind of develop for their first year. makes a lot of sense. You can get him pretty cheap in Dynasty. Uh, it's uh, it's incredible to me that the, uh, you know, the Packers uh, draft Jordan Love in the first round and everyone passes on Huntley. It's just a, it's strange to think. I mean, we see these players on an NFL field. We see the decision making. I thought Huntley made a lot of incredible decisions uh, on, you know, third and long. Um, he was hitting his targets. Mark Andrews obviously was a huge part of that, as was Marquise yeah. Brown. But Huntley made 
the types of decisions that we're not seeing second and third year first rounders make. Um, and it just makes me wonder, you know, is there any chance the Ravens could play it safe with Lamar Jackson, give Huntley one more start? They're, they're gearing towards a run at the playoffs. It, it, this loss is not devastating to them. Do you think that's an option? And if so, does that mean fantasy managers run out and get Huntley as soon as they can? Or is that overstepping a little bit? If Lamar Jackson's anything less than 80%, like, I'm sorry, anything less than 100%, they need to start Huntley. Uh, you get the Bengals this week, and it's a great matchup for him. Like, if, if he's out there, like, he's going to be a starter in fantasy for me. I'm with Tommy. I, I, I think that Huntley will start if Lamar Jackson isn't healthy, but I'm not sure if they're going to play it cautious with Lamar because they need this game. This is the, this game will probably determine the division at this point. If the Bengals win this game, they'll be up a full game, plus they'll have the tiebreaker. It'll, it'll pretty much be over. And both of these teams have tough remaining schedules, so I, I think the Ravens have to treat every game going forward like it's a playoff game. I'll say this. If you have a roster spot on your on – your, if you already have your quarterback spot locked in, let's just say that, and you have the roster spot to burn – I would not mind picking up Taylor, Tyler Huntley for this week alone based on what the, the Ravens will do. We'll see if this ends up happening. But even if you don't use him, you're stopping some else from potentially using him against you in your semifinals, your championship, whatever they choose to do with Lamar Jackson. Like I said, they're gearing up for a playoff run. You can pick him up, and you're blocking your opponent from doing something else. Something we've talked about before with, with other positions, like with defenses. This is one of those two, like with the quarterback spot. Like I have no issue doing that, even in a 1QB league. Very good. I, he's definitely one of these fascinating names coming out of this week and, and uh, certainly not a fluke. And that's why we're talking about him. Uh, another uh, a guy, uh, uh, more wheels on him uh, than uh, wheels is the wrong word. He has more treading, I guess, uh, worn treading, uh, we'll say is the analogy. Duke Johnson. Uh, he's, he he uh, kind of came out of nowhere as uh, he was a fallback option if no other Dolphin running back could go. Uh, then Miles Gaskin is back. I think a lot of people probably started Gaskin assuming correctly uh, that he would be the lead back. And somehow Duke Johnson uh, was, uh, uh, you know, the fantasy killer this week. Those who started Gaskin and those who were desperate and decided to start Duke Johnson. If you did, please tweet at us. We'd love to know who you are. What do we make of this? Is Miles Gaskin, who I think is a more interesting angle to this story, is he now a huge risk going forward to anyone who wants to start him? Did Duke Johnson think, earn at least a timeshare? I think he probably earned a little bit of a timeshare, but I think part of this too was just like you had Gaskins throughout this whole time on kind of the COVID reserve list. So it's I think they probably played it safe a little bit in his, in his first week back. That's why you see Duke Johnson play on 41 of the 71 snaps, gets 22 carries for a buck 07, uh, ends up getting two touchdowns, gets 20 yards in the receiving game. So I think it probably is going to end up turning into more of a timeshare. Um it wouldn't be surprising if we do see Miles Gaston probably come back into that 1A role on this offense. But I think a lot of this just kind of had to do with the situation. We knew one of these running backs, whoever it was, was going to have a good game against the New York Jets. It just so happened to be uh, Duke Johnson's day. Like I said, it's probably going to be a little more of a committee, which diminishes the value of both of them. Uh, but I think Johnson did more than enough to try to earn himself a role in this team. I was fascinated to see that he had one reception. God, one reception in that game. I mean, I don't think Duke Johnson has ever had such a high ratio of rushing attempts to receptions in his. He career. had more receptions than Chase Claypool, even though Chase Claypool still had twelve yards. Yes, that's right. With that, uh, what was it? Uh, lateral. Uh, yeah, from Ray McLeod. But yeah, you know, Duke Johnson is a guy who had fifty plus receptions his first three th three years in the league. He was kind of a you know a theoretic uh, contemporary almost in in that vein of a guy you could count on every year to give you you know, WR3 production uh, uh, on the cheap. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, it, it, 
if he can still do that for Miami, that's even scarier than if you have Miles Gaskin. Because what we saw Duke Johnson do on the ground against the Jets, that's fine. But what he can do through the air, when you think about Gaskin getting, what, three, four, five receptions in any given game, I think that that's a, a risk that people need to think about going forward. We're definitely um, not, not like him as much next week against New Orleans Saints. Very good call. That's right. Um, uh, what uh, what other big fantasy performances caught your eye uh, this week? I've got a, a few in my head that I'd love to uh, uh, grill you guys on. Are there any that really jumped out at you that you went, wow, I was not expecting that. Um, this could be a sign of something to come, or this is a, um, not something to take seriously going forward. I, th- I think the first name on my mind is probably the first name on Tommy's mind as well, and it's, it's Gabriel Davis. It's, it's got to be. And I'm not saying that we didn't – I wouldn't say it's total shock. I think Tommy agrees with me that Gabriel Davis is talented, but sh- we surely did not see what he did this week coming. And the, the issue the issue with him was never talent. It was just playing time. And he was buried behind Cole Beasley and Manny Sanders. But with Sanders out and the Bills playing such a high rate of three and four receiver sets, Davis not only was on the field for 90% of the snaps, he actually led all Bills receivers in both snaps and targets. Five catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns. He has cemented himself as a starter on this team. Even when Sanders comes back, I I don't understand how you can give 34-year-old Manny Sanders that rollback ahead of, I think, was he 23-year-old Gabriel Davis at this point? Yeah, it's his second year now in the league. Yeah, the thing is with Emmanuel Sanders, like the whole situation with the Bills coming to the season, like who was going to be that that number three, two kind of role? Because we knew Stephon Diggs over there. We knew Cole Beasley had his role. It was the Emmanuel Sanders bringing him in. That was what was going to kind of hurt Gabriel Davis. And look, we know he has the talent. We saw it last year. We saw him flash. Uh, so to see him kind of back it back up with uh, with a bigger opportunity now, I think it's massive. Um, like I said, it was a 1A, 1B. You kind of had me with Gabriel Davis. The other one for his, it's going to be a Monroe St. Brown. Uh, anyone that knows me knows that I have a a deep patch of Ramon Ross St. Brown. I've been saying for years that you could have swapped his jersey even when he was back at USC with his brother Equinemius, and the Packers would have got better. The Trojans would have got worse, uh, but probably wouldn't stop Lane Kevin from getting there any sooner. I'm sorry, uh, uh, freaking Oklahoma quarterback uh, coach. Uh, anyway, look, he's had, you know, 11 more targets in three straight games. Last week, eight catches, uh, 90 yards, and a touchdown in three games. 35 targets, 24 receptions, almost 250 yards, and two touchdowns. He's going to continue to be the number one for the Lions, like I talked about earlier in this season, given how much they were losing after losing Kenny Galladay, losing Marvin Jones. TJ Hawkinson's out for the season, so it's, to me, it's wheels up on Amon Ross St. Brown. I didn't realize having a wide receiver 28 was going to be too low last week. I guess I'll need to bump that up for this week. Well, it might want to pump the brakes on that because uh, I got some bad news that we oh, just got freaking right yeah. now. Jared Goff on the COVID list. Yeah. And we all saw what happened the last time Goff didn't start. And as, as much as we, you know, Goff is like a replacement level type quarterback. But, but I mean, compared to Tim Boyle, Jared Goff might as well be Peyton Manning. And, and I just saw that start. pop up on my screen uh, at the same time, Cats. And I thought, oh, wow, today I wrote two articles for Pro Football Network. Uh, on uh, each of the four major Lions offensive players. So I will have to, after this podcast, slightly tweak that, uh, those articles. Um, uh, I guess wheels up on Craig Reynolds then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, and uh, uh, so uh, one more uh, uh, name to throw out at you all, um, Jeff Wilson. You know, we, we know how this Niners backfield operates. It's a hot hand. Uh Certainly Jeff Wilson didn't do himself any favors uh, last week, 
But this week he looked like the guy. It was a fairly uh, winnable matchup uh, that they had against the Falcons. Uh, but the fact is Jeff Wilson uh, flashed last year, and it will be very interesting to see whether those stashing Elijah Mitchell will take a hit uh, when he comes back, if now it's this hot hand or split backfield. Any thoughts on that? Is, are you seeing Elijah Mitchell as the lead, or do you think this is a more scary fantasy situation as I do? No, I think it's Jeff. I think it's Elijah Mitchell when he comes back all the way. This The 49ers' backfield has actually been pretty consistent in terms of the usage. Kyle Shanahan has his lead back, and that is his guy. And whoever it is, it, it, it is. Jeff Wilson has been getting the volume every week since Elijah Mitchell went down. It's been his backfield. Actually, last week, he played 88% of the snaps, which was his highest by far. But even so, the, the, the carries had been there. In week 11, he had 19 carries. Then Mitchell played two games. Then in week 14, 13 carries. Last week, 21 carries. It's going to be Jeff Wilson, but I think when Mitchell comes back, Wilson goes right back to the bench and, is, and just barely plays. Very yeah, good. Uh, Wilson was a bit of a swing and a miss for me. I didn't think he would have this good of a game because uh, you kind of saw a little bit of a touchdown dependency. Uh, but look, guy balled out. Um, I agree with you, Cats. I think when Eliza Mitchell does come back, it is going to be his backfield. But I think Wilson's done enough where he's probably going to still see some work in the game. Uh, it just probably isn't going to be enough volume for fans and managers to rely on right now. Because, I mean, look, rosters are getting – like they're not just getting tougher, Phil, but you have to like – in a normal week, you need really good teams to win at this point in the season. And I don't know if Jeff Wilson is going to bring you that upside once Elijah Mitchell returns. But like we're going to say, usually because, I mean, my God, if you whoever you had that got you here, you should have just benched him because last week was a mess. Or I guess still this week. Um, uh, before we move on to, uh, we're going to move on to injuries next. Uh, but uh, I just want to add, speaking of injuries with Emmanuel Sanders, just back to the Gabriel Davis uh, narrative. Uh, Sanders is 34 years old. Um, yep. You know, he, he is... He is not someone the Bills are looking to rush back. Uh, and, and so he was doubtful going into week 15. I think those who invested in Gabriel Davis or are still thinking about it should feel confident that Davis has a good shot at uh, being a major contributor in week 16 as well. I don't see the Bills getting Sanders back uh, any sooner than they need to. Um, speaking of injuries, we got Moody Master 18 jumping in saying Godwin's injury is brutal. So uh, Moody Masker 18, we're going to let you dictate the direction of this podcast. We're going straight into injuries now. Uh, Tampa Bay, probably the most uh, 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 <laughs> the most painful loss uh, for Tom Brady in terms of getting shut out for the first time since 2006, losing his arguably his number one receiver, at least with Antonio Brown out. Chris Godwin has been that number one, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then throwing a, uh, a tablet. Uh, at a bench and uh, reminding I mean, those Microsoft like, Surface tablets aren't that great to begin with. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll never uh, his, I think, now. was good. So, uh, uh, with that in mind, how does this shake out? If you are, we're not going to talk about the Bucks and, you know, woe is the Bucks and, oh, how are they going to come back? We, we know the story. The Bucks are going to be fine. They have a, a super team. So, the question becomes who benefits from this the most? If you're sitting there as a fantasy manager, are you eyeing Ty Johnson? Are you eyeing Scotty Miller? Are you eyeing, uh, uh, obviously, Ronald Jones if, if Leonard Fournette is forced to miss time? How much of a reaction should fantasy managers have uh, to this news? 
I mean, it's like you said, they have a they have a bit of a super team, but look, you can only take so many hits until all of a sudden Superman's going to start to feel it. Uh, you throw in Ronald Jones, you throw in, um, not Ronald Jones, I'm sorry, you throw in Leonard Fournette, you throw in Mike Evans, and now you have to have Chris Godwin. Like, on the season, coming into this week, he was tied for eighth in targets, third in receptions, uh, fifth in receiving yards, and he was third in the NFL in 100-yard games. Uh, there's only so much of that production you can you can try to replace. It's Granted, it's going to be great when they do get Antonio Brown back because clearly, like, I think Katz, you even mentioned in our Slack channel, like, Bruce Arians' job is to win. Right, that's that's what they're going to do. They're going to bring Antonio Brown back. We know that uh, once he gets back from suspension. Um, look, Ty Johnson, Scotty Miller, uh, even Jalen Darden, they all they all saw some reps uh, in this game. So I think we're probably going to end up starting seeing a, a continuation of this. They're going to start to see a more larger role in this offense. It's They've got to try to redistribute these targets somewhere. Uh, Gronk's going to be busy. Uh, we know that. The loss of Leonard Fournette's going to open up some more passing game opportunities because they know Ronald Jones is not that guy in the passing game. You also have dealing with the injury to a Giovanni Bernard, which is hurting them also in the run in the passing game out of the backfield. Um, so I think I think if those any of those guys are out there, I could see absolutely trying to make a waiver claim on someone. I don't know if we're going to know necessarily who to start, uh, but one of these guys are going to get volume, and I could see kind of being like a Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson being the one-two uh, moving forward. There are a lot of moving parts right now in the Bucks. I mean, we know obviously, unfortunately, Godwin is done for the season, and yeah. we hope he's good to go by the start of 2022. Evans' injury does appear minor. He could play this week. They could hold him out. It, it depends. We don't know if Evans is going to play. That matters because I think A.B. will be back. So if A.B. and Evans are both playing, I'm not sure how valuable that third receiver will be. But if Evans can't go, there has to be somebody else. And my sneaky stash this week would be actually Brashad Perriman, who was placed on the COVID list two days ago. And uh, he played 84% of the snaps back in week 13. Uh I mean, I know he didn't have many targets, three targets in week 13, two in week 14, but I think that they trust him more. And if he gets activated by this weekend, I would not be surprised if he just jumped Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller into that wide receiver, whatever, three, whatever number it is at this point, roll behind either AB or, or Mike Evans, whoever's on the field. Very good. I like that Paraman pick. Um, and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is a name to keep in the back of people's minds. If he slots in as the uh, handcuff to Ronald Jones, if Leonard Fournette misses time, uh, we could see a case where uh, Vaughn is the same kind of desperation start that people make with other handcuff running backs. Where if the Imagine game after hand, two years of doing absolutely nothing and being the joke of Dynasty about being one yes. of the worst first-round picks you could have spent over sure. the last like 10 years, him end up being fantasy relevant in the playoffs. That would be the most poetic ending to a season I could imagine. Good. Well, that's uh, that puts a, a button on that. What about uh, Joe Mixon? Uh, Joe Mixon, ankle injury. Um, you know, look, Joe Burrow, I think he has like five passing touchdowns in his last five games. This has been a run-friendly offense combined with Joe Burrow's injured pinky finger combined with some Jamar Chase drops. Uh, it has been a uh, – I do have Evan McPherson, the kicker, on my team, and uh, I've been very pleased with him over the past several weeks, as I'm sure some of you have. Yeah. But uh, the fact is this offense uh, is not clicking uh, the way it was earlier this season. And Joe Mixon's ankle injury creates that sense of, well, they're about to face the Ravens. Um, Ravens have an elite run defense. Uh, should people be concerned about a potential injury to Mixon that could slow him? And I hate to say, because I said it this week too, I, I said, I don't know if Mixon's top 20 this week. I just did not trust him this week. And now my question is, is he even top 24 against the Ravens? What are your thoughts about a nicked up Mixon? Last time... The Ravens played the Bengals. Joe Mixon carried the ball 
12 times, 59 yards, and a touchdown. That was it. That was in a game where the Bengals won 41-17. You would think that he'd have more of a part in that. Now, it goes without saying we should expect a little bit different of a game flow this week. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Mixon's injury, it, it definitely raises some questions. It's it's hard to know where he's at. Zach Taylor was asked after the game about Mixon's status. He had no update. The only bit of like little tea leaves we have is on the final kneel down. Mixon was on the field for whatever that's worth. Now, obviously, he, he, could, he could have a broken leg and be on the field because he doesn't have to do anything. He's just to stand there. But the fact that he was out there at all suggests that maybe it's not that serious and he and he could play this week. If not, I think regardless, uh, Samaje Piran has to be picked up just in case. Yep. At this point, if you are a Joe Mixon manager, you should have already had Piran because this late in the season, you, you need those handcuffs just in case. We've seen Piran post RB1 numbers in week 16 in the 2020 season. 13 carries, 95 yards, two touchdowns, four receptions, 41 yards. He actually he has the upside. It's there. And if Piran gets the start, he'll be worth starting in fantasy as at least as like an RB2. You talk about the Baltimore game. Even that game, that was actually one of his better games this season where it kind of worked towards him instead of Joe Mixon. He had 11 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown. Um, in games where you've seen 10 or more carries, he's averaging 11 He's averaging 11, uh, 11 carries, 55 yards, uh, three targets for uh, 23 yards as well. It's one of those, like, I agree with you, depending on what happens with Joe Mixon, uh, that'll determine the upside and the value of Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, but regardless, he's someone you want to pick up because we'll always get that answer later on. But I would someone I would rather get now then lose out on once those waiver wires claim claims go in the, two, in the two leagues where I have Joe Mixon, I made sure to grab P Ryan last week when Mixon was having that uh, issue with, with the illness and we weren't yep. sure. Well, you know what? I'm going to play it safe. I'm just going to grab P Ryan, throw him on my bench. You know why? All these other guys, they don't matter anymore. We're in the playoffs or the last week of the regular season. And I need to make sure that if Mixon can't play, I've got, I've got the replacement. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater carted off. Uh, uh, turns out uh, he will be okay. Uh, it doesn't appear to be a serious injury. Drew Locke. I'm getting so uh, sick of seeing these guys getting carted off. It, it's so hard to yes, watch from these guys because it brings back that humanity to the game that I think a lot of people lose as fans. And it's just you hate seeing injuries like this, especially someone like Teddy Bridgewater. It's a guy who everyone loves and respects, and he's already been had a tough enough career. So that one, that was a rough one. Yeah, that's um, I, I uh, turn away whenever um, someone is down on the field. I just uh, go to something else and I check Twitter five minutes later to see if the game's back on. Um, Drew Locke in at quarterback. Uh, does this do anything to the passing game for Denver or is it the same um, m- most underutilized uh, passing attack uh, in recent NFL history? I think they kind of are where they are schematic wise. Um, Drew Locke, I mean, we know he's got the arm. He, we know he can push the ball down the field. Like, he fit he fit that mold that John Elliott wants in his team. Uh, for me, I'm going to have a hard time wanting to upgrade any of these guys. I don't, I don't, like, we saw both these guys play enough at some point during the preseason. And I'll tell you, Bridgewater in the, in the regular season to be like, I don't think it's going to be that much of an upgrade. Um, the timing is always going to be an issue when a guy comes back in who hasn't started in a while. Um, so I don't, I don't think I'm really going to look to upgrade any of these guys. Like coming in this week, I remember it was, it was Cortland Sutton. Like since, since Jer- uh, Jerry Judy made his return, he's the wide receiver one. He was the wide receiver one Oh three in fantasy football. Amir Abdullah had more targets, receptions, and yards than Cortland freaking Sutton. That's inexcusable. Like they, we all know they gave him that contract of bringing in a new quarterback. Like this, that's when this team will all of a sudden get back to being the producers that we think they could be. But that's not going to be until 2022. Uh, so for me right now, I'm I'm staying away from these uh, Broncos pass catchers. I understand the Broncos want to be a run-heavy team, but this is just ridiculous. Cortland Sutton hasn't topped 29 receiving yards since week eight. 
That is six straight games. Last week, Jerry Judy didn't catch a pass. I mean, what did you do drafting Judy and extending Sutton and extending Tim Patrick? I know he caught a touchdown this past week, but like, throw the ball. Do something. It's very frustrating to watch as much as we love Javante Williams. Like, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's like all the NFL cares about is results. They don't care about us in, in terms of fantasy. Like, you're sitting at 7-7, seven and seven, so, like, you're doing enough to get the job done, and they know they're playing for years down the road. Uh, so if they can finish the season now close to 500, I think that's probably going to be a success for this team, and there's no reason for them to change what they're doing offensively. Um, great. Uh, 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 latest news that just hit a few minutes ago, confirmation that it's a sprained ankle for Joe Mixon. Um, that's okay. at uh, 422 PM. Was there any uh, update on what then, grade or location or just sprained and, ankle? No, just a, a sprained ankle. And according to Mixon himself, um, uh, sure he said he's, fine. he's, 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 it, it's, it's a promising situation. Essentially. Players they're, are always so trustworthy with their, they're taking it day by nations. Well, it's a reporter who uh, who uh, who shared it. So okay. um, we'll we'll go with that. I, I Joe Mixon has not texted me yet uh, to share his side of the story. Um, uh, should be noted, Pat Fryermuth another concussion. Uh, Sterling Shepard uh, out for the year. Well, that's that's uh, Fryermuth's second concussion in less than a month. Right, that's yeah. concerning. So uh, definitely, folks out there who uh, might be uh, leaning on. Fryermuth need to find another option. It is very, very possible uh, that he will be out this next week. We don't know yet, but it is very, very possible. Um, uh, moving on to uh, uh, underperformers. Um, everyone. The... <laughs> Say that again, Tommy. I, literally everyone. The NFL. Like, pick a player. They are gonna. They're all gonna fit this list. Cats, um, wasn't you that posted the? Uh... The message from Scott, uh, Hansen. Scott Hansen tweet, yeah, yeah, from the NFL research department. Like this was like the fewest amount of touchdowns for a, a Sunday for a Sunday that had ten or more games since what was it 97? 94. 40, 94. Yeah, there were forty total touchdowns in the NFL offense, defense, special teams. Like it's oh, this sucked. Just no. Is this the sport. worst week fifteen ever. The, this is fantasy football. This has to be right. It's the worst week 15. It's the least fun week I've ever had playing fantasy. I said this, like, I understand only one person can win every matchup. Every Only one person can win every league. If I lose, I'm okay with that. I know that I'm going to lose more often than not. I want to have fun. If, if I'm watching, like, like last Monday night, when you're watching Cooper Cup and score all these, score touchdowns, catch all these passes, and going shot for shot with different players and Odell Beckham, it's like, okay, this is fun. I can get into this. But when you just watch your guys just go out there and just not do anything, it's just it's it saps all the life out of you, and it just it's hard to get uh, excited f going forward. And you just hope that week sixteen we can bounce back with some more offense. I mean, there I were on the week there were sixteen running backs who had double digit fantasy points. There were eighteen wide receivers and six tight ends. That's it. Yeah, I got one of uh, one of PFN's readers uh, messaged me to uh, ask whether he should start Russell Wilson, Taysom Hill, or Ben Roethlisberger. So I said Ben Roethlisberger, and then. Ben had about 11 and a half points and he messaged me and he said, I dodged a bullet on that one. Uh, I didn't start Ben. So then I kept my mouth shut and then Taysom had like 9.6 points and then he messaged me. <laughs> and the point is, you, you know, you don't sit there and say this guy bombed because someone else might bomb even more. Uh, and that's what week 15 was. Uh, I, I, I played against uh, Hunter Henry and I also played against Amari Cooper and Chase Claypool. So mm -hmm. Hunter Henry had about six times the fantasy points of Cooper and Claypool combined. It's just one of those oddities. Uh, and uh, one of the things that jumped out at me just to get to some specifics, and we talked about this on PFN and 
Um, I did fire a warning uh, uh, to folks in the last week on this Cordero Patterson. Um, you know, the, the question was if, when uh, his production would decline because he's been elite for most of the season. And what's interesting is through week nine, he averaged 4.8 receptions for 57 yards, scored five TDs. And since then, going into this past week, he had averaged two receptions for 15 scoreless yards. And yesterday he had two catches for five yards. So the question for you all, I mean, this, this to me is the biggest indicator of a decline. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Patterson is not a true bell cow running back. He is utilized in the passing game. That's where he's strong. That's where he gets a lot of his fantasy points. That's where he moves, uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the first down marker. Basically, he's that that is the value that he brings to this team. He's not being utilized that way. I haven't been able to watch enough tape to see our defenses just shadowing him and making sure that Matt Ryan throws elsewhere. Is that why Russell Gage is stepping up? Is it because there's been a shift against? the Falcons to say, we're not going to let Patterson beat us anymore. We're going to let Russell Gage try to beat us. We're going to let the receivers try to beat us. It's not that black and white an issue, but the point is you can't argue with that decline and there's no reason for it other than if the Falcons decided it wasn't working, which is crazy because of course it was. And the other side would be defenses have adjusted. Katz, Tommy, what are your thoughts on Patterson and should fantasy managers be concerned? I think they should be concerned, but I, I don't know if his defense is adjusting but what I do know is you're 100% right about where his value comes, and that's in the passing game. And they have just not used him that way recently. They have used him more like a traditional running back in the past four weeks. Over From weeks two through nine, Patterson averaged 18.6 routes run per game. Since then, 14 routes run per game. And that, that's a pretty steep drop. I mean, if you think about that, 4.6 routes out of a total of 18, that's let's do some quick, let's do some quick math here. It's almost exactly 25%. 25% reduction in, in his routes run. And that's that's gonna play that's gonna play a significant factor. And if he's being used more like a running back, that's great that he's getting all these carries, but we want those receptions. We want that half point or point we're getting from when he just touches the ball. He's he's had 14 carries per game over the, over that span. So we're taking those those targets and routes run, we're turning them into carries, and that's reducing his fantasy value, especially when it comes out near the goal line for, for Mike Davis. Yeah, I mean you pretty much nailed it. I think it's just the reduction in the passing game. Like, who would have figured that Matt Ryan would have had more rushing yards than Cordell Patterson in Week 15? Not me. There you go. Uh, another oddity, Amari Cooper uh, hasn't had more than 51 receiving yards since Halloween. Uh, he has battled injuries uh, or hamstring, I believe, uh, earlier this season, uh, but he's had single-digit fantasy points in four of his last five games. Uh, for that matter, Dak Prescott. Uh, has been uh, an entirely different level, not on a good level. Uh, I think he's averaged about 2.3 uh, yards per carry or something like that this season compared to five or six in previous years. He's not running it as much as he used to. Uh, he's not throwing as many TD passes. This is a, it's, and the shift happened right after his calf injury. When he came back from his calf injury, he's been uh, different statistically. And I can't point to whether he's been different on the field. So my question is, is this a case now where this isn't a, an explosive offense anymore? Is this more of a, well, CD lamb and one other receiver are going to get fed, but you can't always rely on three guys getting fed in each game anymore. Uh, the problem for Amari Cooper has been, uh, he's had four usable weeks in fantasy all season. I believe he's just been the ultimate boom bust option. Amari back in the I old Amari Cooper. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Week one, obviously, he smashed. And then week eight with Cooper Rush, he smashed. 
those two games have accounted for 41% of his season total fantasy points. And it's just been a real problem for fantasy managers who have had to start him. And part of the problem is the Cowboys defense is, dare I say, an elite unit. Amari still led the Cowboys pass catchers and snaps and routes run this past week. Dak just couldn't find the big play. The Giants were giving him the tight end underneath, so he took it. Giants did not force Dak to take any chances, so he didn't. Next two games against Washington and Arizona. F- football team does allow the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers. Cardinals could be a shootout. I'm a bit more optimistic on, a, on Dak having to throw more and Amari Cooper having to produce more going forward. But these opposing offenses will have to make the Cowboys have to throw the ball. Otherwise, they're content with winning this game with running and defense. Yeah, I think part of that too is like the surprising return and play of Tony Pollard. They were able to rely on both him and Ezekiel Elliott in this passing game and in the running game. So it's you're cutting down on uh, Amari Cooper's like opportunities. Like he's he's caught just two passes in three of his last five games and hasn't and hasn't topped uh, 51 yards since week uh, eight against the Vikings. Uh, he did score against Washington the last time they played, but it's the Dallas Cowboys. Like they do need something to get right. Like, I think you heard Jerry Jones talk about them slumping, and they even talked to some other players like before and after the game. I know Zeke Elliott was asked by Jane Slater after the game, you know, is this offense slumping? Was this the team getting right? And it's like he even said himself, like, look, there's still a lot of things we have to get right. And like, granted, you would expect a, a player to say in the NFL, no team's ever going to say they're perfect. But look, the Dallas Cowboys need to get back to their identity. And when you have this type of receiving core, you know, between him, CeeDee Lamb, um, you've got um, other guys that have been contributing really well. You have Dalton Schultz still who's playing fantastic at the tight end positions. Like, you need to get some of these guys going back. And like you said, it's Amari Cooper's kind of turned back into a used speed. And right now he's kind of more of a boom bust play than he is like a locked in, you know, mid to high end wide receiver too. But the Cowboys are going to advance deep into the playoffs this year, especially if, if they end up with that four seed and have to play the Rams in round one. There's yep. no, they, yeah. they're not going to be able to just get by, by, by playing defense and just kind of stopping them and doing enough on offense. They're going to need to score some points. They're going to need to be efficient in the passing game. And they, they need to, they need to be better than they have. Uh, I think over the past four or five weeks, Dak Prescott has been the QB 27. And that's yeah. the type of production. You just can't, you can't get that from a guy who's supposed to be an elite quarterback. We yeah, expect more than that out of Dak in this entire offense. Like going into the season, it was honestly, the debate was between the Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Dallas Cowboys probably. Who had the most amount of high-end fantasy relevant players? And a lot of people honestly were leaning toward the Dallas Cowboys in this one. It's mm-hmm. right now, it's just not there. Yeah, 16 touchdowns in his first six games for Dak Prescott. Then since his calf injury, 10 TDs in seven games. Uh, That's not going to cut it, and it's going to make a lot of fantasy managers wonder, do you start him in week 16, which is a scary prospect. Uh, We're going to take some questions uh, shortly, so if you have questions, uh, feel free to jump in. Guys, any other uh, big disappointments uh, from this past week? I'll I'll throw out uh, T. Higgins. Are you concerned, as I am, about the Cincinnati offense since Joe Burrow hurt his pinky even before that uh or is this a get right opportunity against a very beatable Ravens pass defense is is T Higgins someone anyone should be concerned about right now I'm not I mean personally especially if anything happens Joe Mixon I think it's still going to rely on this passing game like the more consistent player of these past like four or five weeks has actually been T Higgins over Jamar Chase like Chase gets those big plays gets those touchdowns he's getting with regularity like obviously um, but I think to me, it's I, I still have no issue starting Jamar Chase or T Higgins moving forward. Um, they should be okay against Baltimore. Like it's like I said, it comes down to, Bar- to uh, Joe Burrow's finger, but I think they'll be okay moving forward. I'm, got it. There. Uh, I'm not. T Higgins had three straight 100 yard receiving games prior to last week. Uh, it just happens. Guys have down games, and nobody's yeah. going to smash every week unless you're Cooper Cup. So I'm not worried about T Higgins. 
Cool. I will say my my uh, uh, contrarian thought on this is that, uh, and it's not just contrarian to be contrarian, but that you know defenses adjust, um, and these things happen. You get a, a true number one uh, who suddenly starts attracting the top cornerback, starts attracting more attention uh, from uh, safety, and suddenly it frees up one-on-one situation for another receiver, and then it oscillates back. Um, uh, you know, and, and we saw with Jamar Chase early this season, Higgins gets hurt, Higgins comes back and then Higgins asserts himself as the number one. I'm not convinced that Higgins is the number one. I think he's been the number one the past several weeks, but I still think any of these three guys can be the number one. And my concern is, uh, when fantasy managers assume a depth chart in a, uh, in a, in a, in a receiving core, where the talent arguably is there for all three. We've seen it even with Tyler Boyd. I'm not saying Tyler Boyd is at that level, but we've seen it with Tyler Boyd. We've definitely seen it with Jamar Chase. And the question is, who's going to persevere in the final two weeks? Because we, I don't think it's as easy as saying it's definitely T. Higgins. Um, Moody Masker. Wait, are you uh, benching he, either of those guys? I mean, to me, you're starting both of them. Against the Ravens, yes. Uh, I, in week 17, uh, depends who I have. Uh, uh, I don't, yeah, depends who I have. Because if 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 Joe Burrow's in a position right now, as he has been in recent weeks, where he can feed essentially one receiver in any given game, then are we confident, and I'm not, that it's going to be T. Higgins most games? I mean, it's um, going to be week 17 against Kansas City, one of the hottest defenses in the NFL, especially on the yeah. secondary. So I, I don't know. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Let's cross that bridge next week. Um, Moody Master 18, I'm down 99.7 points to 97.3. I have two guys left, Hunter Renfro and Kirk Cousins. My opponent has Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts. My chance is good? Question mark. So again, he is up by a little over two points. He's got Renfro and Cousins. I'm looking, you know, probably 35 points out of those two realistically. Opponent has Sanders and Hurts. Uh, Hurts is not carrying an injury designation as of about 25 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. What do you all think? Is Are we confident can we tell Moody Masker he's got a great shot at winning? Feels like a coin flip to me. Uh, I'm with with Hertz with Hertz being full health. Uh, I think he's the better start than Cousins. I like Renfro more than Miles Sanders. I, I think it can go either way. I'd love to, I'd love to tell you you're going to win, but I mean after what we've seen this week, those are those are four good players. So as far as I'm concerned, you're getting like 12 points total from all four of them. That, that's how I feel. Uh, I actually do like his chances. Um, even if you want to call Cousins and Hertz a little bit of a coin flip. Um, I think do think Hertz probably does come out on top on that one. Um, although I think Cousins can probably be a little bit is a bit of a sneaky play given how well he's been playing. And um, it all comes down to how well Hertz ankle is because we know that that mobility is everything. For me, I think the decision that's all going to come down to Hunter Renfro versus Miles Sanders. And given how they like to use multiple backs in this Philadelphia offense, like Hunter Renfro for me was a I think he was in wide receiver thirteen on me for this week. Uh, so I mean I had him just outside uh, the top twelve given the volume he's seeing. If it's a PPR league. I think Hertz could. Hertz could. I mean, I'm not sorry, but uh, I think Renfro could probably double what uh, Miles Sanders ends up putting out this game. So I think he's probably going to come out this game on top. And I'm I'm playing uh, Cousins uh, in my week this week that I've not yet won because I need uh, Nick Chubb to come up uh, nicely. But uh, Cousins going up against the Bears defense that's uh, depleted by the COVID list and giving up, I think, the second most points or third most points to opposing quarterbacks. So it's I, I can see Cousins dumping off to Dalvin Cook. Uh, Cousins racks up 10, 12 fantasy points as fast as any quarterback in the league. Like Cousins will be sitting on 11 fantasy points entering the fourth quarter and he finishes with 22. And it's like, how did that happen? 
It's all um, after the catch. It's just, yeah, that's right. Well, that's the thing, right? He's, he's, that's the benefit of having Cook and Jefferson and when healthy, Adam Thielen. Um, uh, I got one more real quick one, and then we'll uh, cap it off. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe on the Facebook blog has messaged me. Uh, uh, Sonny Michelle or Dernis Johnson, uh, which is an interesting one because it, it kind of depends on what you think about Daryl Henderson uh, mm -hmm. tomorrow night. Or do you take what might be seven plus points from Dernis Johnson, uh, hoping that he gets enough volume? Basically, who are you banking on more uh, between those two? If I would bank on one, I would go with uh, Sonny Michelle over Dearness Johnson. Because I think with Nick Chubb in the game, I think it's going to be Nick Chubb's role. Like Dearness Johnson has played well enough to generate some of his own uh, rushing carries. We know he's going to do that. Uh, but I think there could be enough of a split between Henderson and Sonny Michelle uh, with him coming just coming back off the COVID list, where I think he's probably getting a little more of a volume. Uh, so I actually do like Sonny Michelle more between him and Dearness Johnson. I'm with Tommy. Dearness Johnson has played five games with Nick Chubb active. In those five games, he averages 3.78 PPR points per game. So you're not getting much of a floor at all with Dearness Johnson. Unless Chubb gets hurt, I mean, we sure hope that doesn't happen. That's yeah. the only way that I see Dearness Johnson uh, outproducing Sonny Michelle today. I think Sonny Michelle has done enough to earn at least a 40 to 50% snap share. And I believe uh, Jordan Rodrigue, uh, Rams beat reporter, always dialed in, thinks that Michelle will remain the lead back ahead of Henderson. And if that happens, then he's definitely the option. Oh, it's fast. She's the best when it comes to getting Rams information. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, I agree with you both. Uh, I think I love that matchup against the Seahawks. I think uh, Michelle mm -hmm. is a great bet to get a touchdown, and that's all you need in that instance. I do think Dearness Johnson uh, will get at least nine fantasy points. I like him uh, taking a bit of a load off Chubb, especially if uh, – uh, I'll put it this way. People are joking about Chubb getting 35 carries. I don't see it. Uh, Dernis Johnson has proven to be as capable as as Kareem Hunt when needed, when called upon. I'm not saying he's better than Kareem Hunt, but in those instances when when Johnson has had to step up, he has. And I think he's earned about 10, 12 touches tonight, uh, or rather in 20 minutes. I want to thank Tommy Garrett and Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Um, yeah, Tommy just laughed there. 20 minutes. He's like, let me uh, get the TV yeah, on I now. I, I, I told you, I literally talked yeah. about it in the beginning of this episode. It's been 40 minutes and I completely forgot that we had a game. Yes. Uh, so I just wanted to remind you both uh, of that uh, and and all of you who are watching and those who are listening, uh, you will be able to, by the time this is out there in podcast world, you will know uh, what we got right and what we got very right um, and what we got wrong, of course. Um, VJ Rudell again, Pro Football Network. Uh, you can find us profootballnetwork.com, fantasy page, Facebook, uh, newsletter, Twitter, uh, all sorts of places. Uh, you can skywrite a message to us, and if we see it, uh, we will respond to it uh, from uh, the ground. Uh, we will see you next time.